Hello, welcome to Workplace Wake Up. I'm Jen Shaw. Every week, I spend about 15 minutes covering legal developments, introducing you to interesting guests, and providing some entertainment to start your workday. I love my pets. We have two dogs, two horses. My daughter wants a guinea pig. Actually, she wants a rat, but I found out they have some very disturbing personal habits. So I'm not allowing her to do that. Not to mention the, that I have a service to keep rats out of my house. So I'm going to let rats be a pet in the house. There's something about that I can't get over. So pets are great. And I think during COVID, pets have made us very, very happy. It's really interesting because of COVID, according to the American Pet Products Association, pet ownership has gone up dramatically since COVID. In fact, almost 70% of households in this country have pets. Now, one of the things that we've talked about on this podcast is employee retention and employee recruitment. And one of the ways we make the workplace more attractive to candidates and to our current employees is by giving benefits. So one of the very common things we're seeing is employers saying, you can bring your pet to work. And it's not just your four-legged friend. You can bring your snake. You can bring your turtle. You can bring your bird. You can bring whatever pet you want to bring to work. And it sounds so good, right? It sounds so nice. We have a little dog bed, or we have a little cat bed, or we have a little bird cage, a little hamster wheel where they get to come enjoy our day with us. And it makes us happy, and it makes us smile, and it keeps our cortisol levels down. But what about the practical side of this, right? Like, what do you do when somebody wants to bring a pet to the workplace? Now, remember, there are situations when you are required to allow someone, an employee or a third party, to bring an animal to the workplace. For example, if they have a service animal and they need the service animal to be with them at work or when they're calling on clients, for example, that may be something that you have to allow. Um, there are also situations where folks have medical conditions where they're having a migraine. There, there may be a seizure that's coming. Those are obviously very important cues that an employee can get from a service animal. You also have emotional support animals, right? This has nothing to do with providing a service. They're not alerting the employee to the fact that they may have a diabetic coma coming on, right? They are instead there to provide emotional support to the employee. And it's not just dogs, right? You can have an emotional support pot-bellied pig if you want. So the first thing to understand is there are times when you are going to be legally required to allow an employee or a third party to bring an animal to the workplace, okay? So that is going to be an obligation you'll have depending on the circumstances. And we can talk about service animals and emotional support animals on a separate episode if you all would find that helpful. Today, I just want to talk about plain old bring your pet to work, right? So I want to bring my dog. Well, first of all, is my dog trained? Is my dog 
well-groomed. If my dog has fleas, we don't want the dog coming to the office, right? Is the dog going to bark incessantly while I'm on conference calls or while the workers are putting together the products we are creating? They, they have to be able to fit in the workplace in a very easy, nondescript way. We don't want to be in a situation where we are allowing people to bring their pets to work and it's really disrupting the workforce. Now, remember, you've got people who may have medical conditions that are related to the pets, right? Allergies. So you have somebody who says, I want to bring my cat to work and it would really make me feel good. It's not really, I'm not really entitled to an emotional support animal. It's not really a service animal situation, but I just think I would feel so much better if I were allowed to bring my kitty cat. Well, then you have to figure out, okay, well, is anybody allergic to the kitty cat? Are we going to have any asthma attacks? Are we going to have any problems? Will the cat scratch people? So the thing to think about is if you're considering a bring your pet to workplace policy, which is lovely, and many employees, in fact, have listed that as one of the main benefits that they would really appreciate from their employer. You've got to think about the logical consequences, and you don't want to forget about the legal issues that can come up if a dog bites somebody at work, if the cat makes somebody sick, if somebody's allergic to the hamster hair, whatever's going on. There was a horrible situation in Australia a couple months ago. Some of you might have read about it, where a woman brought her pet snake to work. It was a boa constrictor, a rosy boa brought her to work and the boa constrictor ended up almost killing a coworker, got out of the cage or the, I don't know what you call it. It's not a cage, like the enclosure and tried to strangle one of the coworkers. And luckily somebody was able to help and Rosie, the boa is no more, right? Because they had to try to take care of this coworker. Well, now you have an employee who's very, very upset that you have harmed their pet, their loved one, their family member. I mean, pets are really important to many of us. So it's very interesting to think about what are the consequences of having a bring your pet to work policy. And it's something you definitely want to think about. So when we're talking about service animals, remember, for example, under the Americans with Disabilities Act, there are various requirements. Um, also under the FEHA, we call the Fair Employment and Housing Act in California, we call them assistive animals. The FEHA has broader protections, broader entitlements. The EEOC, interestingly enough, recently sued Hobby Lobby because Hobby Lobby refused to allow an employee to bring their service dog to work as a reasonable accommodation. And it became a big deal. And the EEOC was saying, look, you know, a service animal may be exactly what this employee needs. They gave you a doctor's note. We know that the animal is well-trained. There's no reason why you should not have let this animal in the workplace. And Hobby Lobby said, well, wait, we don't know if the dog is trained. We want certification. We want to understand, you know, exactly what our entitlements are, what our rights are in terms of documentation, etc. But the EEOC said, look, it doesn't work that way, right? All this person wanted 
is for the dog to be there during their shifts. And Hobby Lobby said, oh, it's a safety hazard, but they never showed what the safety hazard was. Was the dog going to bite somebody? Was the dog ill-behaved? They never went through any of that. And that's really the problem. You as an employer cannot reject a service animal out of hand simply because it feels burdensome or you feel like it may not be a good idea. Service animals have to be treated like any other reasonable accommodation, right? So you can't make your decision based on a stereotype or based on an assumption. You have to actually be able to show why the accommodation was reasonable or why it was unreasonable. And Hobby Lobby, according to the EEOC, couldn't do that. Now, the store manager, of course, told the employee, well, somebody might be allergic to the dog. Okay, well, might be allergic is hypothetical, right? You can't deny an accommodation because it might be a problem for someone else. So the litigation between the EEOC and Hobby Lobby really make clear how careful you have to be when you're dealing with these issues of service animals and assistive animals, and in California, emotional support animals. Remember that the Americans with Disabilities Act doesn't allow for emotional support animals, but California law does. And you need to have a process in place so you can evaluate what's going on. Absent any potential legal duty to allow an employer third party to bring an animal to the workplace, you want to think about those benefits that you are offering for retention and recruitment. How do you want to limit the benefit? Do you want to put any parameters around it? You can absolutely do that. And even though, as I mentioned earlier, many employees have cited bring your pet to work as a really favored benefit for them, something that they would really like to have, have their pet with them at work, then they don't have to go home and walk them at lunch. It gives them more flexibility, more ability to do what they think they need to do for work if they have that pet with them at the office. You still have to think about it. You have to look at the pros and cons. You you really want to have a process in place so that it's very clear what steps you're taking. And if you approve the request, of course, you don't approve the request indefinitely. You approve the request and you say, okay, we are going to approve it for now. And if anything changes, we're going to reevaluate or we're going to reevaluate every 30 days. As with any other reasonable accommodation or benefit you provide, you can change it going forward. Now, with reasonable accommodation, you have to have a reason for changing it, right? You have to have, you know, a good faith rationale for what you're doing. But certainly with respect to any change you're making in the workplace, you want to communicate it. You want to make sure everybody understands what the new expectations are. Most employees don't want to upset you. They want to do the right thing. But they need to be told. They need to be told what the expectations are and what you're expecting from them as their employer. So when somebody comes to you and says, I want to bring my pet iguana to work, you got some work to do, right? You've got a process you need to follow. You want to make sure that you're really thinking through all of the potential ramifications and you're assessing, first of all, is it a potential reasonable accommodation 
for a medical condition or disability? And then if not, do we have a benefit on the books that says they get to do that? Well, do we need to limit it? Do we, do we need to be more clear about how our benefits are going to be administered? So there's a lot to think about here. We all love our pets. We all, I think, have so much that they offer us. One of my most important cases I've handled in my career was for a firefighter who wanted to bring his dog to the fire station. And the city, for whatever reason, was just absolutely being difficult and saying no. And we had to show them. But first of all, what fire station do you know that doesn't have a dog? So that was absurd. But second of all, you haven't shown that he can't do his job. He's shown he can do his job with this dog. If you think he can't, that's your obligation to show that. So this is another place where employee preference, employee desire, that's really not what we want to be focused on. We want to look at, number one, is there a legal obligation to do what the individual is asking us to do? And if not, do we want to consider doing it anyway? Everyone, thanks for joining us today. Go home today and enjoy some time with your pets. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to spread the word, please share it with others, post about it on social media, and or rate and review it. Of course, you can also follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter, and email us at info at Workplace Wake Up, including its guests and hosts, do not provide legal advice in this podcast. Do not act upon any of the information discussed in this podcast without consulting a licensed attorney in your jurisdiction.